All right. You know, in, uh, I think, September, someone did a study and said that at that point, 50% of Americans were so um, just overwhelmed by COVID information that they stopped paying attention. They just didn't care anymore. And certainly, I know that talking to a couple of you this week, we are all so tired of this pandemic and so eager for it to be over. But the Pew Research Group did a study in March about like what effect has COVID had upon our lives? Has it changed everything or, or not? And 90% of Americans said that there's at least one area of their lives where COVID has made things worse. And 70% of Americans said there's at least one area of their lives that the pandemic has actually made better. But they asked different questions about your health, your finances, your work life, about politics and the economy, and just has COVID made things worse? Has it made it better? And as you can kind of see there a little bit, um, the answers range from 40 to 20% of people say COVID has made things worse, and 10 to 20% of people say COVID has made things better. Which means that for any given area, about two-thirds of America says that COVID has not changed our lives in a significant way at all, which is a little bit weird to think about. But it makes sense. Like, COVID has not increased our chances of dying eventually, even a little bit. Last I checked, with a few very, very rare exceptions, approximately one out of one people die eventually. COVID didn't change that. Um, but you know, it, it has disrupted our lives. There are many things that disrupt our lives. Probably death more than anything else I can think of. My wife, uh, one of her uncles on his honeymoon was in a tragic car accident and his new bride passed away. That death changed his life everything changed. And he dropped off the map and they didn't hear for him, from him for another 30 years. And he only showed up recently. Because death can change things. Turns out, you know, last week we we're in Luke chapter 23 and we looked at the death of Jesus. The death of Jesus changed things. One of the disciples in the passage that we'll read this morning said, we thought Jesus was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And by that, I just get the sense that he thought he was wrong. Like these disciples had been following Jesus for a while. They had called him king. They thought, you know, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. And they thought he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And then he died. And the death of Jesus seemed to change everything. But fortunately for us, we don't live in chapter 23 of the Gospel of Luke. We, we live after chapter 24. So we're going to open up that this morning and read. But if you're new this morning or if you've been with us, all of Luke and Acts is a single work in two volumes. We'll be finishing Act 1 this morning and Act 2 will start in two weeks. And it's all about the Father sending his promised Messiah, Jesus, to save all who follow him and to empower them with his Holy Spirit so they can live like him. We're going to see that this morning. We're going to see the Father, we're going to talk about, hear about his promises, about Jesus saving those who follow him, about the coming of the Holy Spirit. 
It's all right here. And, and just in case you're wondering, this is like the end of The Empire Strikes Back or the end of The Two Towers or any of the Harry Potter you know, numbers two through six. Of You're not going to see a lot of major resolution here because it's just the end of the first act. And the book of Acts is yet to come. But as we get into chapter 24, there are several scenes. In each one of them, we have people who have followed Jesus having an unexpected visitor, followed by a gentle rebuke, followed by an explanation of some sort about the death of Jesus, followed by a mission to tell people the story of what they've seen. So we're going to take a look. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you. While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. Now when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. And it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. It's early in the morning. It's dark. These women come to to honor Jesus by performing the ceremonial rituals after death for him. And the stones moved, the tombs empty, And a bunch of women in the dark are suddenly surprised by two guys popping up out of nowhere. And if that wasn't frightening enough, they're glowing like lightning. And the women freak out. They bow to the ground, these unexpected visitors having showed up. And then there's a gentle rebuke. What are you doing here? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Don't you remember that Jesus told you when he was in Galilee that this had to happen? The Son of Man must suffer, die, and rise on the third day. And the light bulbs went on, and immediately the women went to tell people the news of what they had seen. Only they weren't believed. Scene two. You're going to see this pattern repeated. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, Are are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. (laughs) About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. 
And the chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. I just, I hear such regret in those words. The death of Jesus changed everything. But they're confused. They said, and what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us, and they went to the tomb early this morning, and they didn't find his body. They came and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive, and then some of our companions went to the tomb, and they found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. This had to happen. The scriptures told you this had to happen. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. It is nearly evening. The day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. It's late, it's almost dark, yet we got time for seven more miles. Let's go. And again, we've seen they had an unexpected visitor. They didn't recognize him, but his name was Jesus, who rebuked him and said, don't you guys believe the prophets? Weren't you paying attention? Because the suffering and death and resurrection of the Messiah, his suffering and entering into glory had to happen. The scriptures told you this. And they get up and they go to share the news of what they've seen. And when they found the 11 and those with them, assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. By the time they show up, other people are already talking. We've seen Jesus too. And they all share the stories of what they've seen. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. What's up, guys? And even though they were just talking about the fact that Jesus is alive, they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I, myself. Touch me. See, a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Like the whole Hebrew Bible was written about me 
and he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So first story, we had women visited by angels told, like, what are you doing here? Jesus told you that his suffering, death, and resurrection should be no surprise. He told you it was going to happen. And they go and they tell it to people. The second story, you have two disciples on their way to Emmaus, and they're visited by Jesus. And he says, why don't you guys believe the scriptures? The scripture said this had to happen. And they realize it's Jesus, and they go and they tell people what they've seen. And in this thir- third story, everyone's together. Jesus shows up and says, why are you scared? It's really me. Don't you realize I told you that the scripture said that the suffering, death, and resurrection of the Messiah had to happen? Weren't you listening? And by the way, a message is going to go out. You will carry it. You're going to be my witnesses to all nations. But, but don't go tell people just yet. Wait here for the Holy Spirit. And then you're going to go and tell the world what you have seen and heard. And when he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and he was taken up into heaven. And then they worshiped him. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. It's amazing the difference a single chapter can make. A chapter ago, they were beating their breasts, they were mourning, they were in grief. They thought the last several years of their life had been wasted and all of their hopes had been dashed against the rock because the death of Jesus changed everything. But it turns out the death of Jesus changed nothing. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Now let me tell you what I mean by that. The death of Jesus changed nothing. It turns out when God's son was crucified, when an innocent man who was righteous and had done nothing wrong was unjustly accused, (laughs) declared to be innocent at his trial and yet sentenced to death anyway and nailed up on a tree at this moment of just gross evil, winning the day. Turns out that was the exact moment that God's salvation was being accomplished for the entire world. Turns out that at the death of Jesus, God was still in control. God was still keeping his promises. Turns out that one that you thought was going to redeem Israel is the one that God chose to redeem Israel. His death changed nothing. God's still in control. His promises are still coming true. And in light of that, I just, you know, as an aside, I think when we look at the death of Jesus, we can understand that our sufferings don't change things drastically. COVID doesn't change things drastically. Sickness doesn't change things drastically. No matter what we are going through, no matter how hard life is, God is still in control. He is still going to accomplish his promises. He still has a future and a hope for everyone who, pro- who follows his son. And the God who can turn good things out of the death of Jesus is certainly good and powerful and awesome and mighty and faithful enough to take the sufferings of my life and your life and somehow and in some way bring good out of it. 
even though I have no idea how he's going to do it, I'm confident that he is good and he will. The death of Jesus changed nothing, but the resurrection of Jesus changed everything. They didn't see it coming. Turns out you can be told it like three times before it happened, and then we're going to tell you three times after the fact. Like, this had to happen. It was no surprise. It was all part of God's plan. Jesus said it. The scriptures told it. You should have believed it, but here it's happened. Believe it now and be filled with joy that there is forgiveness of sins through repentance. This, this is a crazy, amazing message. Because many of us walk around in fear that the skeleton in our closets will be discovered. Many of us go to work every day trying to prove ourselves because at some point in our past, we've done something and then we're ashamed of it. And so now we go to work trying to make atonement for the things that we have done by the way that we're acting now, but we can never quite seem to catch up. Many of us walk around with shame, with guilt, with this knowledge that if people only got close enough, if they actually saw who we actually are, they'd reject us and leave us forever. But the message of Jesus says that God knows exactly who we are. He knows exactly what we've done. And he knows that we can't pay. He knows that we can't, we can't do anything to make this up. And so he sent Jesus to pay on our behalf. He sent Jesus to be righteous on our behalf. He says that we can be free if all we do is just repent. And we can be forgiven of our sins and made right with God and made right with other people because he will change us through his Holy Spirit so that we can become like his son. This is some good news. I had a friend named Jessica who worked in a dental office. And one day her coworker came back from her lunch break looking a bit despondent. And Jessica asked, like, what's going on? Turns out on her lunch break, the coworker had gone to a psychic. I don't know, for a fortune telling or something like that. And the psychic had given the bad news that, that she was really spiritually dirty. It's like, oh, you, you, you're spiritually dirty. You need a spiritual cleansing. And good news for you, we're running a special right now. So for $1,500, this psychic can spiritually cleanse the coworker. And she was thinking about it because she knew she was spiritually dirty. She knew she was spiritually cleansed. And Jessica just, in in bewilderment, was like, "Uh, well, you are spiritually dirty and you do need spiritually cleansed, but they're ripping you off. $1,500, Jesus will do it for free. Like he already paid for all that. Like he will cleanse you for free. This is amazing, amazing good news. I mean, we're going to see when we get into the book of Acts, it's news that not everyone wants. I mean, we live in a culture that you tell people that you you are a sinner and you need to repent and you're going to offend a lot of people. Like like there there are places in our culture that no one wants to hear that something is a sin. Like we, we're just, we're lost. You know, we, we watch Disney movies and we hear the princess songs that are all about like follow your heart. And we, we agree as a culture, like, oh, just, just follow your heart and you'll be fine. And the Bible says, no, you follow your heart. That's sin because you're supposed to be following Jesus. You're supposed to be following God and his standards. And Disney, don't you remember all the villains in your movies followed their heart too? Like, 
It's not a good system upon which to base life or society. There's something better out there. Jesus offers repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Why? Because he died for our sins and he was raised from the dead for our justification and our vindication. And because he's alive, he is with us and he is with God interceding for us. It's the amazing thing as the disciples are just going around that Jesus all of a sudden appears with them as they're fellowshipping together at table. He is just there because he's alive from the dead and apparently when you come back from the dead there are certain upgrades that you and I are not privy to know about yet. I don't know, but he, he shows up. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. He's present with us because he came back from the dead, because the resurrection changed everything, because God's promises are coming true. They have come true. They are coming true. They will come true. You know, if the guy says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be rejected, I'm going to be killed, and on the third day I'm rising from the dead, and it happens, we can believe it when he says other things as well. And Luke the gospel writer wants us to believe this. This is how he wants us to respond. He wants us to respond with belief. Like this actually happened. And the disciples who saw Jesus, who heard Jesus, they didn't get it. They didn't believe until Jesus just had to like bash it into their heads. Like, do you have anything to eat? Ghosts can't eat food. You all watched Casper the Friendly Ghost? Uh, not, no, because that was when I was a kid. You know, when he eats food and it just falls out the bottom. Like, you can't eat food if you're a ghost, I guess. I haven't talked to one, but I hear that's, that's the deal. Like, Jesus was alive. He had skin. He had bones. You could touch him. You know, you could tell whether he had showered in the morning. Like, he was alive. And, and Luke wants us to believe it. And so would you put your trust in Jesus? Because he died for you and he came back to life. And that changes everything. That means more to you than the fact that a bunch of guys back in July 4, 1776 signed a piece of paper saying that they wanted to be independent from England. Like that historical fact has altered our life somewhat significantly. The resurrection of Jesus alters our life like nothing else in history can do. It changes everything. Would you believe it? And if there's an obstacle even this morning to that belief, if you don't believe that Jesus was a historical figure, that he actually rose from the dead, or, or what, whatever might keep you from belief, I challenge you, don't sit with the question. Chase down the answers. Because the scriptures say that one day all will be held accountable for how they answer this question. Who is Jesus to you, and did you follow him or not? Have you accepted the salvation that God sent? Chase the answers. And if you don't want to believe, fine. But but you're among a group of people who have said we've chased down the answers and what makes most sense to us is that, no, he, he actually rose from the dead and it changed everything. And then with the disciples to the fact that the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus was no surprise, but it had to happen. It was necessary to happen. Can we respond with joy and praise and worship? Because this good news changed everything for them. And it's amazing that at the end of Act 1, here in the book of Luke, we, we end kind of where we began. We end in the temple in Jerusalem because the story began in the temple in Jerusalem. We end with people 
seeing the promises of God coming true and expecting the promises of God to come true. And we began the story and it was all about the fact that God was keeping his promises to his people. And John the Baptist in the beginning said, someone's coming who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And here at the end of Act 1, Jesus says, in just a little while, hold tight and you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The promise of my Father is coming to you. So this morning, I want us to respond with praise, with joy, with worship. And then, like the women, like the guys on the road to Emmaus, and like the disciples soon after, let's go tell people what we saw. Let's go tell people about this salvation that can save us from our sins, that can change our lives, that can give us meaning and hope and joy. I was in Fred Meyer yesterday, and the, the cashier, as he's checking out, has these tattoos on his knuckles, and on his left hand it just says, numb. I was like, what does the other hand say? It's like, been numb. I'm like, is that, are those like quotes from a song I don't know about, or a general disposition to life? And he says, the latter. Like all of life, just, yeah, numb. There's no point to anything. There's no meaning to anything, guys. There are people who hurt who need hope, who need to hear that, that there's life and meaning in, like right now, there's purpose right now, that there's an identity that they have that they don't even know about right now, if they would trust in Jesus, would we go and share this good news with others today? We just pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, that the death of your son didn't change anything, that you are still God, that you're still keeping your promises, that you're still on your throne, that this was part of your good plan, that your son had to suffer and die and rise from the dead to save us. Thank you for the scriptures which are able to make us wise, which if we listen will tell us not only about what you have done in the past, but about what you're going to do in the future and what you have promised to do in us and in our lives. And Father, help us to respond with joy because your son didn't stay dead, but you vindicated him, you raised him from the dead, and now he is at your right hand in power and in glory, interceding for us. And so Jesus, you who know the hearts of men, you who know the details of our life, would you please, please ask God for help for us? Would you please ask for joy for us? And Holy Spirit, would you help us to understand that death is not the end, that things have not changed but that God is still good and he's still on the throne and Jesus, Jesus is still saving people from their sins. Help us to carry this story faithfully. In your name we pray, amen.